When I first thought I could touch on Zack and Eddie, one thing jumped to mind, just popped right into my head. isn't right. I, I don't want to get into it. So... finally stumbled upon a topic, something that I don't know all that many people know, or maybe they do, maybe you do. I just wanted to touch on it again. Plus, I also need a really cool intro. So... I know. What does that have to do with anything? Well, really nothing. <laughs> As a lot of things I put on the front of episodes don't. But I originally, when I first heard Michael Jackson's, and that was Alien Ant Farm's cover of Smooth Criminal, and then it was Michael Jackson's Smooth Criminal. So I first, when I first heard that song, I know Michael Jackson sang in the lyrics are, Annie, are you okay? But I first heard that song around the time that I heard Zach and Eddie's story coming out. And I thought Michael was saying, Addie, are you okay? And that kind of kind of jived with this whole sto the whole story. Now, like I said in the in the podcast Facebook community, their names that you may know are that you may not know are Zach Bowen and Eddie Hall, or Ad Adrian Adriana Adrian Adrian Hall. But I know her. We all know her as Addie. Um, and uh, one of our listeners from actually from the Crescent City, from New Orleans, actually sent a request and sent in a suggestion to cover Zach and Addie because most people don't know 
the story of Zach and Eddie and the legend and most a lot of people it'd be interesting to to hear and a lot of people just might it's interesting because there's a lot of ghost stories that if you go to New Orleans you can go on ghost tours like you can in most cities across the country you can go on a, a ghost tour of Zach and Eddie's apartment and also different stories and so in in New Orleans they're very famous they're very very well known the rest of the world they're not so much no one really knows of them now I've studied them and I've seen several documentaries about them so I know quite a bit about them but I did some research and did some looking into and saw a couple of the other more documentaries I hadn't seen before and some studying said I, maybe maybe it's it's not something I want to cover because this whole story and like I say spoiler alert as I say in several things, even movies I review and other things. Spoiler alert. Um, it, the story of Addie's murder is very, it's very grisly. And it's a very gruesome and a very gory story. Um, it's also a very interesting story. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to pass judgment. Because a lot of things that I decided not to cover it was I don't want to sound like I'm passing judgment on anyone. And that's not, that's not what I want to do. Where I want to do any case to anyone, but there's there's an interesting story. Um, there's there's I forget her name, but um, there's a documentary about called uh, the story. The the title of the documentary is called Killer Instinct, and if you look it up on YouTube, you'll be able to see Zach and Eddie's story. And that's I guess I would I'll leave it to her and to other people to cover Zach and Eddie's legends. It's just, it's not something that it's, it, that I want to get into. I don't want to say that I don't want to sound like I'm lending it anything. I just, I, I don't want to get into it. Um, I want to let their, their legends and their story lie. I want to let it, let it go. And, you know, I would recommend, first of all, first of all, Rob, thank you for the suggestion from the Crescent City. I do like New Orleans a lot. I've never been, and boy, would I love to go. But it is a very interesting story. And like I said a minute ago, you all should look into Killer Instinct on YouTube and watch it. And it, she, de she details quite a bit, uh, gets quite a bit in depth to into Zach and Eddie's story. So I would recommend that. And I apologize to everyone, and I apologize to Rob and... Uh, thank you for the suggestion. Keep them coming, Rob. Um, that it's 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 just not something that I felt comfortable covering. Um, and watch it. And if you want to know more about it, watch it. I'd recommend I recommend her channel as well. Um, what I did want to get into, what I do really want to get into, is something that we all we all know something that I dearly love, 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 and I will joke about and I say and I say to anyone, I'm part cat, I'm part cat, part human. <laughs> so, um, I, I there's that stupid allergy cough. I adore cats. I live with them my whole life. Um, they are part of me. They are a member of 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 my family. They are family, and they are a dear part of me. And I just, I wanted to get into it and kind of touch on it as much as I can. And dive into it as much as I can. And the stories of cats is very, very cool. Very, very interesting and very wonderful. It's, it's a, well, not just wonderful. It's, 
it's it, it's incredible. So the and a lot of this is like I said, is going to come from Wikipedia and other sources that I tend to use a lot for for every for every number of things. The cat is similar in anatomy to the other field species. It is a strong, flexible body, quick reflexes, sharp teeth, and retractable claws, adapted to killing small prey. Its night vision and sense of smell are well developed. Cat communication includes, vo includes vocalizations like meowing, purring, trilling, hissing, growling, and grunting, as well as cat-specific body languages. A predator that is most actively at dawn and dusk. The cat is a, is a solitary hunter, but a social species. It can hear sounds too faint or too high in frequency for most human ears such as those made by mice or other small mammals. Cats also secrete, secrete and perceive pheromones, which is one of the things that people that um, people say, a lot of people say, a lot of vets say, that makes cats very specific to getting along with humans. Why cats get along with humans so well? Because they can, they can, it's very easy for cats to perceive pheromones. And one of the things that cats secrete a lot, as you just heard, and humans secrete a lot, is pheromones. People, other humans pick up on them all the time. That's kind of what makes you attractive to another, uh, to, to the opposite sex, or to the same sex. That's what makes you attractive to, to someone else. Pheromones. Whether you don't know it or not, but your, your body is always picking up on pheromones. Cats do that too. And cats can perceive all kinds of pheromones not just from from their own species but from other species as well they can perceive human pheromones too that's one of the things other than their own species that's very easy for them to perceive and why they why they're drawn towards humans a lot specifically female domestic cats can have kittens from spring to late autumn with litter sizes often ranging from two to five kittens Domestic cats are bred and shown at events as registered pedigreed cats, a hobby known as cat fancy. Cat, a hobby known as cat fancy. Population control of cats may be affected by spaying and neutering, but their proliferation and the abandonment of pets has resulted in large numbers of feral cats worldwide, contributing to the extinction of entire bird, mammal, and reptile species. Well, that makes perfect sense, because you think, to most birds, a cat is kind of like a T-Rex. That kind of makes sense. As of 2021, there were an estimated 220 million owned and 480 million stray cats in the world. As of 2017, the domestic cat was the second most popular pet in the U.S., with 95.6 million cats owned and around 42 million households own at least one cat. In the UK, 26% of adults have a cat with an estimated population of 10.9 million pets, 10.9 million, million pet cats as of 2020. To me, you know, if you ask, like I said, I'm, I'm half cat. So to me, they're not the second most they're not the second most popular pet around the around the country and around the world. They're the most popular. I I love cats. I've met quite a few dogs. 
that I absolutely adore, that are perfect, that I just that are beyond perfect, that I love. I love dogs too, but because of how I was raised and who I am, I prefer cats. That's just that's just me. The origin of the English word cat. Just like a sneeze, that one snuck up on me. The origin of the English word cat, Old English C-A-T-T, is thought to be the late Latin word catus, which was first used at the beginning of the 6th century. It was suggested that the word catus is derived from an Egyptian precursor of Coptic origin, or its feminine form suffixed with a T. The late Latin word may be derived from another another Afro-Asiatic or Nilo-Saharan language. The Nuban word Kadiska, wildcat, and Nuban Cadis are possible sources of cognates, cognates. The Nubian word may be a loan from Arabic. It is hen it it is it is this context looks weird. It is, oh, there it is. I just, I kind of, as I was reading, my eyes jumped down a line, and they said the context looks, this context looks weird. It, the context doesn't look right. It, it, it is equally likely that forms might derive from an ancient Germanic word imported into Latin and, and, then, and then to Greek and, and Syriac and Arabic. The word may be derived from Germanic and Northern European languages and ultimately be borrowed from Uralic of Northern Sami of Northern Sami origin. The English the English puss extended as as puss as pussy or pussycat is is attested from the 16th century and may have been introduced from Dutch from Dutch pose POES or from Low German, German Puskate, related to Swedish Katapus, or Norwegian Pus, Puskat. Similar forms exist in Lithuania and Irish, and Irish. The etymology of this word is unknown, but it may have simply arisen from a sound used to attract a cat. A male cat is called a tom, or a tomcat. An unspayed female cat is called a queen, especially in a cat breeding context. A juvenile cat is referred to as a kitten. In early modern English, the word kitten was interchangeable with the now obsolete word catling. A group of cats can be referred to as a clouder or a glaring. Like for any of us who have seen Big Bang Theory, Sheldon actually refers to them as a clouder or a glaring. The domestic cat is a member of the Philidae, a family that had a common ancestor about 10 to 15 million years ago. The genus Felis diverged from Felidae around 6 to 7 million years ago, resulting from a phylogenetic research confirming that the world Felis species evolved through sympatric or parapatric spe speciation whereas a domestic cat evolved through artificial selection. The domestic cat, the domesticated cat, is, close, 
and its closest wild ancestor are diploid and both are diploid and both possessed 38 chromosomes and roughly 20,000 genes. The leopard cat was tamed independently in China around 5500 BC. This line of partially domesticated cats leaves no trace in the domestic pop cat populations of today. The earliest known indication for the taming of an African wildcat was, was excavated close by a human Neolithic grave in southern Cyprus, dating to about 7500 to 7200 BC. Since there is no evidence of a native mammalian fauna on Cyprus, the inhabitants of this Neolithic village most likely brought the cat and other wild mammals to the island from the Middle Eastern mainland. Scientists therefore assumed that African wildcats were attracted to early human settlements in the Fertile Crescent by rodents, in particular the house mouse, and were tamed by Neolithic farmers. This mutual relationship between early farmers and tamed cats lasted thousands and thousands of years. As agricultural practices spread, so did tame and domesticated cats. Wild cats of Egypt continued to to I'm losing my place as I always do. Wild cats of Egypt contributed to the maternal gene pool of the domestic cat at a later time. The earliest known evidence for the occurrence of the domesticated cat in Greece dates to around 1200 BC. Greek, Phoenician, Carthaginian, and Etruscan traders introduced domestic cats to southern Europe. During the Roman Empire, they were introduced to Corsica and Sardinia before the beginning of the first millennium. By the 5th century BC, they were familiar animals around settlements in Magna, in Magna Graecia and Etruria. By the end of the Roman Empire in the 5th century, the Egyptian domesticated cat lineage had arrived in a Baltic seaport in northern Germany. During domestications, cats have undergone only minor changes in anatomy and behavior and are still capable of surviving in the wild. Several natural behaviors and characteristics of wildcats may have pre-adapted them for domestication as pets. These traits include their small size, social nature, obvious body language, love of play, and relatively high intelligence. Captive leopardus cats may have, may have also displayed affectionate behavior towards humans, but were not domesticated. House cats often mate with feral cats, producing hybrids such as the Kellis cat in Scotland. Hybridization between domestic and, and other felinae species is also possible. Development of cat breeds started in the mid-19th century. An analysis of the domestic cat genome revealed that the, the ancestral wildcat genome was significantly altered in the process of domestication. As specific mutations were selected to develop cat breeds, most breeds are found founded on random breed domestic cats, 
Genetic diversity of these breeds varies between regions and is lowest in purebred populations, which show more than 20 deleterious genetic disorders. Cats are very... Cats are very smart and very... And very... A lot of... All of the cats that I've known are very smart and very intuitive animals. Like... Like you heard earlier, cats are perceptive, and cats are very aware of of pheromones and feelings. And cats can, I mean, dogs are as well. But in this case, we're talking about cats. Cats are very perceptive, and they can sense and determine when when the emotions of those around them, those they consider family be that their mate or their kittens or in a lot of cases they're humans and cats consider humans their family that's why a lot of the reasons why you see cats rubbing you or that's part of the reason why you see cats rubbing you or loving loving up on you you see that because they consider you part of their family and we should as I always have consider them family because they are and cats are very perceptive very very perceptive and very aware if you're feeling down or you're feeling sad or depressed cats will know they don't while they can't exactly exactly understand well they can't exactly say yep that's depression or that's sorrow they can tell that that something is bothering you and they're aware that something is upsetting you and they don't like that they don't like when someone in their family feels sad or feels feels lonely and they want to do to you what they would do to their own to their kittens they want to protect you and they want to comfort you and help you and they they consider your house where where you raise them they consider your house their territory, their their domain, and they protect it. And they want to protect it the best way their species knows how. And they also they also want to protect you. They have of course they have different ways than a dog would, they all would. But they want to protect it and they want to protect you. And the way a cat is just so supportive and so loving and so caring of, of of its family it's just heartwarming and domestic cat has a similar skull and shorter bones than a European wildcat it averages is it averages about 18 inches in head to body length and 9 to 10 inches in height with about 12 inch long tails males are larger than females adult domestic cats typically weigh between 9 and 11 pounds Just like you will see in humans, that differs. That's that's not set in stone. That differs from siblings. Even identical twins are different. That difference differs from cat to cat. All even siblings are different in size. And cats have have a have cervical cervical vertebrae, thirteen thoracic vertebrae, seven lumbar vertebrae, three sacral vertebrae. 
as do most mammals, but humans don't have, but humans have five, and a variable number of caudal of caudal vertebrae in the tail. Humans only have three to five vestigial caudal vertebrae, vertebrae fused into an eternal infused into an eternal coccyx. The extra lumbar or thoracic vertebrae account for the cat's spinal mobility and flexibility. Attached to the spine are 13 ribs, the shoulder, and the pelvis. Unlike most humans, cat forelimbs are attached at, to the shoulder by free-flowing clavicle bones, which allow them to pass their body through any space into which they can fit their head. That, that actually is... I. That actually is kind of cool, because of that. I didn't. I didn't know it was because of that that allows them to pass almost into any place where they can fit their head. I didn't. That was cool. Cats have excellent night vision and can see at only one sixth the length, one one sixth the length, and can only see at one sixth the light level required for human vision. This is partly the result of cat eyes having having tapetum lucidum which reflects any light that passes through the retina back into the eye, thereby increasing the eye's sensitivity to dim light. Sorry, I got an itch on my nose. I'm trying to stop it from becoming a sneeze and blasting everyone's eardrops out. Large pupils are an adaption to dim light. Domestic cat has slit pupils, which allow it to focus on bright light without chromatic aberration. At low light, a cat's pupils expand to cover most of the exposed surface of its eyes. The domestic cat has rather poor color vision and only two types of cone cells, optimized for sensitivity to blue and yellowish green. Its ability to distinguish between red and green is limited. A response to middle, middle wavelengths from a system other than the rod cells might be due to a third type of cone. This appears to be an adaptation to low light levels rather than representing true trichromatic vision. Cats have an acute sense of smell due in part to their well-developed olfactory bulb and a large surface of olfactory mucosa about 5.8 square centimeters in area, which is about twice that of humans. Cats and many other animals have a Jacobson's organ in their mouths that is used to be used in the behavioral processes of, fl of, flement of flemining. It allows them to sense certain aromas in a way that humans cannot. Cats are sensitive to pheromones, such as such as three, such as three. Mercapto 3 methyl methylbutane. There's a lot of numbers here that like I, I don't know. Like doesn't make any sense to me. Like it's kind of gibberish. Which they use to communicate through through urine spraying and making with scent glands. That's kind of what there's a lot of the scent glands on a cat is right by their cheek. Why you see a cat rubbing something when they'll rub they'll rub your leg or they'll rub your arm or they'll rub your cheek. Or they'll rub your head. Cat, like a cat is marking you. A cat, once the cat has accepted you as their family, the cat is marking you. Letting other cats, even their own family, their own siblings, 
the, that cat is letting the other cats anywhere know that you belong to them. That you are their family, their possession. And the cat, and that is so, that's so cute. That's so adorable. The cat, the cat is marking you. And so that's what, that's what they're doing. That's their scent glands, why they're rubbing you. Uh, I used to have, I had a cat who, when she, when she would do that, when she would rub, I was aware of that. So I would give her kisses and cuddle her and pet her. And I would nuzzle her. The same one now. We humans, you know, we don't have scent glands, so we don't have scent glands on our cheeks like the cats do. So, but I know what that means, like wh- how a cat sees that as affection, and I would, I would return the gesture. I would rub her or nuzzle her head or nuzzle her body or her cheeks with with my cheek, so that and I knew that she was aware that she knows what that means. And when I do that to her, she she can take it as a sign that I'm expressing my love to her, and she and she was very, she was very receptive and very, very loving. She continued to do it, and she purred and she meowed when she needed me or she wanted me, or wanted to know where I was. She was very very receptive. It's, it was very, it was very cute. And you know something that's very something else that's very interesting. The whiskers. To aid with navigation and sensation, cats have have dozens of movable whiskers over their body, especially in their faces. These provide information on the width of gaps and the location of objects in the dark, both by touching objects directly and by sensing air currents. They also trigger protective blink reflexes to protect the eyes for, from damage. Outdoor cats are both are active both day and night. Although they tend to be slightly more active at night, domestic cats spend the majority of their time in the vicinity of their homes, but can range many hundreds of meters from a central point. They establish territories that vary considerably in size. In one study ranging from 7 to 28 hectares or 17 to 69 acres. The timing of of cats activity is quite flexible and varied, which means house cats may be more active in the morning and evening as a response to greater human activity at those times. See, the cats are responding to their family. if you dogs are very dogs are very loving loving and supportive i will 100 percent agree to that but what else nothing nothing warms your heart more than if you have a pet and you have a pet cat and you get home and the cat the cat knows the cat knows you and has obviously marked you as their family as one of their own and the cat is happy to see you and so happy to see you and they come. They either come over to you, or they meow, wherever they are. And they just heard you come in. They'll meow like, "Hey, I'm here," or "I'm coming." Uh, they'll come right up. They'll come right up to you, and it's so touching and so heartwarming. It just makes you feel great. The social behavior of the of the domestic cat ranges from widely dispersed individuals to feral cat 
colonies that gather around a food source based on groups of cooperating females. Within such groups, one cat is usually dominant over the others. Each cat in a colony holds a distinct territory, with sexually active males having, having the largest territories, which are about 10 times larger than those of female cats and may overlap with several females' territories. Life in proximity to humans and other domestic animals has led to a symbiotic social ad adaptation in cats, and cats may express great affection toward humans and other animals. Ethologically, a cat's human keeper fun functions, a cat's human keeper functions or can function if a mother if a mother surrogate as a mother sur as if a mother surrogate. Cats, like I said, cats are extremely affectionate. And I will tell anyone that I like you've heard me say countless times, I'm half cat. I cats are my cats are my love. They're my passion. They're my everything. They are they are beyond perfect. I I love and I worship and I adore cats. I will also say thank you so much for listening. Thanks again, Rob, for the suggestion. Keep making them, keeping them coming, keep them coming. There will be many more episodes, and anyone who wants to suggest a topic or suggest something for us to cover, for me to cover, feel free to log on to the podcast Facebook community or send us an email, unctifiasco at gmail.com, and we'll look into it. We will cover it, and we'll do as best we can. And Like I said, I apologize, Rob, for just I didn't think that I wanted to cover Zach and Addie and do them justice and just touch on the way it should be or the way I didn't feel comfortable. So thank you all so much for listening. Stick around for a little more in the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast. Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere? Go to Atlantic City, Disney, Six Flags, all along the Atlantic City boardwalk, and go to Vegas. Check out the New York channel, N-U-Y-A-W-K, on YouTube. You will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained. You will love every second of what you're seeing. Go to YouTube and check out N-U-Y-A-W-K. You'll love what you're seeing. You'll enjoy every second of it. Want to check out the environment, the climate, the planet, and everything we can do to have an impact on it? Check out City Climate Corner on all the podcasting platforms, 
Apple Podcast, Spotify, on everything. You won't be disappointed. You'll enjoy and love what you're listening to. Thank you.